Hey guys, coming up today on Sports Spectrum, we're going to talk to a former NFL linebacker who had really no desire to play collegiately on the D1 level, and he did that at Northwestern, to play in the NFL. He did that for eight years with the Bears and the Raiders, and now he is a gardener, a master gardener. His name is Nick Roach, and he's got a great story and a great perspective on faith, on football, and in life. Nick Roach coming up in just a moment here on Sports Spectrum. First, I want to tell you about our friends at Athletes in Action. You know Athletes in Action, right? They're a sports ministry that are all over the country, all over the world, on college campuses, professional locker rooms, countries all across the globe. And what they're seeing is influential athletes all over this continent coming to know Jesus. But here's the thing. So many of them, once they come to know Jesus, they need Bibles. And that's what Athletes in Action is asking for. They need more Bibles to give to these athletes who are beginning a relationship with Jesus. And that's where you and I can come in. For just $22 a month, you can provide three athletes with Bibles each and every month. And when you sign up, this is three Bibles, right? For three athletes every single month for that monthly gift of $22. When you sign up for that, you will also receive a free copy of our Sports Spectrum Increase 52-Week Devotional. It's still early here in 2024. This 52-week devotional is perfect for the kids to walk through each and every week and grow in their relationship with Jesus. You get that devotional for free when you pay $22 a month and get three Bibles for three athletes who have come to say yes to Christ. Here's how you do it. Simply text the word SPORTS, S-P-O-R-T-S, to 71326. SPORTS to 71326. Imagine how much this gift could change someone's life. You can also go to the website, athletesinaction.org slash give slash sports spectrum. athletesinaction.org slash give slash sports spectrum. Or text the word SPORTS to 71326. Three Bibles, three athletes who have come to know Jesus and you could change their lives forever. Message and data rates may apply. Available to U.S. addresses only with athletes in action. It's great to have Nick Roach here on Sports Spectrum, former NFL linebacker. Hey, Nick, how you doing? Good, man. Thanks for having me, brother. Absolutely. It's good to see you. It's uh, great to to talk to you. We were together back in late September in San Diego mm-hmm. for a little couple-day gathering, which was really cool. Um, but let's start, because that gathering, I thought, helped me understand most of the, the guys that were there, if not all of them. I didn't talk to everybody. Uh, they were there because they love Jesus, first of all. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So let's start with Christ. When I when I say that name, Jesus, what comes to mind for Nick Roach? <laughs> Um, I, th- I think not in a gimmicky religious way at all, but, but savior, you yeah. know, real, like save my life way, you know, um, I grew up in a Lutheran church. And so what I remember, I don't think everybody had this experience, but that from, K- you know, K four all the way through high school, I kind of left there with this idea that if you follow the list of rules well enough then you had a pretty good chance of going to heaven yeah. and that God was just kind of this overseer of our things, you know? And, um, 
but that obviously did not hold up when the real world starts to hit, you know? And so by the time I got through college, I was still, I think I, I realized that there was more to God than I knew growing up, but I didn't really know where to start to figure out what that more could be. Um, but it wasn't until really my second year in the league, which was one of those like stories you read about. And like, I could feel myself in the middle of where everything on the outside looks ideal and perfect. And like, how could you complain? But on the inside, I was like, what? I need to get out of this. Like, I don't know what I'm doing here. I don't mm -hmm. know how to deal with this. And so for me, it was just to give a little of my journey it was I was undrafted and I never really had a, um, a deep aspiration to play in the NFL. I would say it was just like, you know, like most college students, when you get out, you're like, okay, I, I don't have a, I definitely want to do this. And I got a, a chance to be undrafted to the chargers and it worked out. You know, I took advantage of the opportunity, of course, because I realized how, how grand it was. Mm. Um, and just through that, I think that I ended up, felt, I felt like I kind of got sucked into a machine that I wasn't intending to get pulled up into. You know, it was like there's never any moment during the transition from really even high school to college or college to past that where somebody asks you, do you want to do, keep going to the next level? You know, it's like if you meet all the qualifications, you just get put on the conveyor belt and sent on down the way, you know? Yeah, sure. And so I'm trying to take all that in, like what is happening? You know, because I can remember I just started playing football in high school, my sophomore year of high school. And I'm like, dude six years ago <laughs> i was not even trying to play in college but they paid for my scholarship you know so i play football <laughs> uh, and so like it's a free education <laughs> man so going and being now in the nfl and like competing with guys who have dreamed their entire lives to be in that spot and to have a chance was a shock to the system and then so you know fast forward my first year i spent on practice squad most of the year but then the Bears gave me a chance um, with like the last six weeks left in that 07 season. And so then my second year, 2008, still on, playing a lot of special teams mostly, but then I start rotating in and out with the defense. And like, mind you, this is a Bears defense that's like Hall of Famers. You know, this is Erlacher and Briggs are the starting inside linebackers. This is Mike Brown is a safety. Peanut is out there. Uh, Nathan Vasher, our D line was like Tommy Harris, yeah, um, Wally Agulian, all these cats. And I see myself out there like you are a phony, bro. Like, wow, <laughs> you just didn't you think do? you fit in. Yeah, it was just like you know, I don't really know what I'm doing. I'm like, I, my, I, I realize that looking back, that a lot of this too was kind of the enemy trying to twist things in my mind. But I could not validate a reason for me being in that situation. You know, I was like, why? It was it was confusing time, but it was the pressure of competing in the NFL plus yeah. the interior pressure I put on myself of like, bro, you're going to screw this up. You're not even really qualified to do this. Like you're faking. And so it was a lot. It became heavy. And so the, the only thing I turned to was our chaplain was awesome. Ray McElroy was his name. He was a former player. Yeah. And um, him and his wife were very involved in, you know, ministered to the players and our wives and stuff and so he um would do these bible studies and so every friday you know during the season he'd meet up with us for 45 minutes an hour and just talk through everyday stuff with scripture and application and it was amazing because 
he was really the first person I think I saw that wasn't, you know, the example I couldn't relate to growing up, which was in my mind, like, you know, the uh, two and three generations past my age, you know, living in different parts. I grew up in the hood, but I went to school in the suburbs mm. and, you know, our church was out there. So it was like, for me, it was all disconnected. I didn't see the spiritual teachings landing in my everyday life, you know, until I really met Ray. And um, so that was big because I then started to see like, okay, you can believe these things and be a normal person, not be super quote unquote churchy or religious and awkward and conversation, but actually believe that God is who he says he is. And Jesus did what he said he did. And he is who he says he is. And it actually means something for your life, your choices, yeah. um, you know, your pursuits and that type of thing. So um, say just one more level past that. Shortly after that, I knew I wanted to propose to, to my uh, girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife. And Ray invited us to Pro Athlete Outreach, which, you know, you know, PAO well, I'm sure. Very, very well. Uh, yes. And so, um, yeah, that was the 2011 PAO mm. in Orlando. And um, it actually it was cool how it timed out. We went on our kind of engagement trip in Disney because I was going to propose at Disney. And PAO was like two days after that. Wow. So we went there. I proposed. She said yes. And then two days later, we are both like in this brand new spiritual, well, we didn't know, awakening environment. We thought we were just going because I didn't want to blow up my marriage. You know, and I, was, I just yeah. remember looking back like, oh, you know, they said God created marriage when I grew up. So this is probably my best chance to figure out how to not mess it up. And uh, man, it was definitely one of those things where I, that was a pivotal moment. And I feel like God speaking, speaking directly to me about you you have now a choice like you're a grown-up now you get you get what's happening in your life you've been hearing the last two three years about how i land in your real life do you want to go all in or do you want to keep just trying to figure it out on your own and it was very clear uh tony evans was preaching on psalm 128 you know in the beginning it's like blessed is the one who fears the lord and then he stopped and he preached for like 45 minutes on just, just on that what it just what it means to fear god and he he just literally goes do you take him seriously wow. um yeah and i could feel the pressure of like now is you, you are needing to answer this question do you take him seriously or not um and if you say yes you get ready you know and so hmm. yeah at the end of it you know they do the baptisms on the last day so it was cool like my wife ended up having a separate experience listening to somebody else and so we ended up getting baptized the last day together, um, like five days after we got engaged, you know. And so amazing. it was so an awesome. amazing yeah, answered prayer of like, I didn't want to blow it up. And I think God knew if he didn't get me in a couple of days after, <laughs> it was, it was going to be a mess, you know. Wow. So, well, there's a lot to unpack there, Nick Roach. Yeah. Let's start with, I don't know, I guess this mental side of football not really being correct me if I'm wrong here, a big deal for you. Like in, in college, you were like, well, I guess I'll go play. They're going to give me a scholarship, but that's not something you were looking to attain. And then college happens. Well, I guess I'll go to the NFL. If somebody wants me, I can't, you know, I can't ignore that opportunity, mm -hmm. but it's not something I'm really looking to try and do. So football is just kind of a thing for you in many ways, right? Absolutely, man. And I don't mean it in any way disrespectfully to, you know, like the sport and the, anything about it it just for me when i was a little kid you know i was 
sitting in front of X-Men drawing comic books. And, you know, I'm outside with my friends and we're the kids running up and down the alley and, you know, actually playing on the, the milk crate. Sorry, sorry, little two-year-old. That's okay. Um, That's all right. But we were the kids just playing outside all day, but, you know, making a pursuit out of sport was never on my mind. You know, my mom got us into sports because she was a single mom. I grew up with two siblings. And when she'd be at work all day, you know, all summer, especially, she's like, you're not just going to sit around here, you know, wearing out my couch is what she used to always say. So you <laughs> play video games or whatever. Right? Yeah. yeah. You can get a job or you can get on a sports team, you know? So I figured, all right, well, I'm probably going to work the rest of my life. I might as well play sports while I can. So played a lot of basketball, you know, from a young age and then high school, I actually didn't want to play football because I had broken my leg playing flag football. And so I'm like, why would I play tackle football if I right. broke my leg playing flag? Right. So, um, but yeah, by my sophomore year, they convinced me to just try it. And we were not like a good school. It's a little Lutheran private school, you know, in Milwaukee, which is not a football city by any mm. stretch. Yeah. Um, but I tried it. It was fun. But then, you know, my, by my end of my junior year, I had started getting interest letters and I ended up getting an offer from Northern Illinois. And that's when it really hit like, shoot, you know, my mom at the time, I don't think she made 30,000 a year. Right. And so the reality is if I didn't go to college for football, I was just going to stay home and, you know, could have had a fine life, I'm sure. But the opportunities presenting themselves were way greater than anything we could have done out of our household alone. And then by the end of my senior year, Northwestern made an offer. And that to me was like, you know, my mom, she only was able to get her associates because she had my brother when she was getting out of high school and, you know, got the best degree she could at the time and then went to work. And so mm. for me to get a, a full paid scholarship to Northwestern and it's like, if you, bro, you going to play football, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're going to you gonna play all these years, you're going to graduate. And because at the time, you know, I'm sure it's more now, but it was like 50,000 a year. Oh, yeah. tuition. And it's like, you know, my mom couldn't have in her wildest dreams paid that. Right. Um, wow. You know, so that was amazing. And so really NFL happened the same way. It was, I, it wasn't nothing I was pursuing actively, but you know, like you said, when the opportunity presents itself, it'd be foolish to not step into it. And, you know, I think in a lot of ways, God has kind of like crafted my life in that way where I don't, I would never say I'm really a big dream out in the future guy. But I think that it's really clear to see in a lot of these pivotal moments in my life where he's like, you know, kind of unsure what, what's coming up next. But this, you maybe didn't ask for this, you know, but this is it's clear you need to step into this at least and see what it's about. Wow. So. It's, it's so much of the opposite of so many athletes that, you know, will say, I dreamed about being a professional athlete since I was a kid. I, I worked mm -hmm. so hard in high school to be. Uh, you know, scholarship on the D1 level. And then in college, I worked so hard to have a chance to play professionally. I'm not saying you didn't work hard. Hear me out. Sure, yeah, but it just yeah. wasn't your your dream to achieve yeah. these things. And God kind of opened these doors for you. What do you think would have been the case if I went back in time to June 16th, 2003? It's the day, I think that's my, I got your birthday, right? The day you turned yeah, 18 yeah. years old. Mm -hmm. If I'd have told that kid who was getting ready to go to Northwestern that you were going to not only play in college and do well, but you were going to get eight years in the league in the NFL. What would what would you have said to me? Yeah. I, I mean, I would have la literally laughed in your face. Yeah, and just been like, "No chance, bro. No chance." Um, I think to, I wanted to make a comment toward that idea of working hard. You know, my motivation was definitely not to be like the most 
you know, get to the highest level of football or anything like that. But I think that I had a motivation, more of a daily motivation to just um, give myself the best opportunity to choose yeah. in sometime in the future, you know, whenever that time came to work in such a way today, you know, so that I would have the most options later was kind of always my, that was just my reflex to like, all right, I don't know what I want to do way out there, but I know if I take care of business, you know, in this way, the X, Y, Z way now, or whatever this responsibility is that I'll probably have, uh, you know, a better host of choices when my time comes. And so living that way, I think side by side, you know, the work ethic that I had would have looked similar to a guy that I dreamed of being in that position. Uh, but it was definitely toward more of just an open-ended, you know, I hope to get to a place where I I can make some choices at some point, you know. The... We're talking to Nick Roach here on Sports Spectrum, the former NFL linebacker. So this moment happens at this conference, PAO conference, and it's, I'm not saying that's – the day you got saved, maybe it is, maybe in your eyes, yeah. th that time was when I said, yes, I'm all in with you, Jesus. What, what changes after that? Because you're still a professional athlete. You're not yeah. yet married. So you're trying to pursue your now wife. Um, you're still performing, if you will, on a football mm -hmm. field. And there's so much that goes into achievement and, you know, being valued and evaluated, if you will, by coaches. And yet you have this new faith. So what was it like being a professional football player during that time and kind of navigating both of those worlds? So it's it's a good question. I think I already felt so different just because of the nature of how I got there. Like you said, not dying and clamoring to be in that spot. So I already kind of felt like an outsider looking in, honestly, in the locker room, um, that having something outside of football now kind of like realizing that they, this is actually something of substance. Mm. Um, it gave me, I think, a lot more purpose for showing up. It could explain why I needed to to still care about, you know, like my performance. Now I can care about my teammates in a different way and see my surroundings in a different way. I could see, really, honestly, starts with, I could see myself in a different way. Like, why, why am I significant in this place? And I think it's hard to find healthy, usable answers outside of Jesus' answer. You know, just the fact that I I am major. I have good plans for you. You know, and like I put you in these these spaces and these places to to grow you and to show me. And so, like, it gave me definitely a deeper sense of purpose than just chasing a trophy or you know some award or statistics. And so that that's what I really needed, not being a quote unquote football guy. Sure, you know, to to have more sense of purpose. But then, just practically, I remember. I still remember sitting on the couch when we got home and opening my Bible for the first time and literally being like, this is not, you know, I had religion class every day from four years old to 17 and chapel three times a week, hmm. you know, and like right at, we wrote papers in high school on books of the Bible and all these exegetical studies and stuff. But I, I swear to you, I was like, this has never been in here before. You know? <laughs> like, this is, this is a new, somebody like snug this in. And so I, I, I really remember like the spirit opening my eyes up to what was being said in the scriptures after that. Um, and then I remember like clearly seeing, cause like I was saying before, I didn't see how it landed in real life, like pursuing Jesus or letting Jesus take over. What does that mean? Like 
you know, now it's okay, choices of art. Um, so we're, how are we spending our money now? Mm. You know, because like before it was really easy to just buy some stuff because you wanted it. But I remember one of the guys actually that was talking at the conference and he was a current player at the time talking about how he ran every financial decision through prayer or at least thinking about its, you know, service to, you know, him growing in his faith or this or the kingdom in some way. And I was like, I do not think like that hmm. about money. And so like, just, okay, how do we use our gifts now? And so I could see it landing very practically in a lot of <clears throat> those everyday choices we're making. Um, big one was, so we got engaged that February and we had planned the wedding for the following February of 2012. But once we got back and we're like, you know, talking to the, the uh, chaplain and he brought up the idea of, you know, going to the courthouse to get married. And that way, and we were like, and at the time still, I'm like, that's so weird. Like <laughs> who just goes to the courthouse. But when he started explaining everything, he's like, you know, I just want you guys to feel like you're, <clears throat> you're being an example of just obedience, whatever you hear inside. He wasn't forcing us, forcing us and like, yeah. you know, Bible beating us with about, about living in sin or anything. Cause we actually, at that point, we're not having sex or, mm. and we thought we were walking pretty cleanly, or at least our conscience were. Yeah. And, um, but he was just like, you know, I want you guys to just think about what it would look like if you were to take this decision to God and see if it's something you'd be into. And we realized, I think, getting honestly, in the logistics of planning a wedding, and you realize it's just a party for everybody else. And <laughs> it was exactly a year away. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We, like, we realized by the end of that summer, we're like, we're actually ready to get married. Mm. And so we, in, in November, by, you know, was that six months later? So. We just went to we went to the courthouse during the football uh, we, season. Yeah, during the season, we just picked a day. It was like a random Friday, I think, and uh, it was just us and like the judge and the security guard. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and we still we still did the wedding after, but or the bigger party. But it was for that moment. I think that was an us like declaring like, no, we we are both hearing for ourselves and together like what God wants to do with our relationship. Yeah. So let's just see what what that leads to. So. Wow. That's awesome. No, I think, I think that's th something to be commended for, to be honest with you. Not that you're looking for, you know, yeah. pats on the back from anybody, but I think, you know, as God, um, as we grow in our relationship with God, obedience is, I mean, you and I were at that gathering, you know, mm -hmm. not too far ago, not too long ago. And we heard that word a lot, obedience, right? Um, mm -hmm. Who were some of the guys, teammates, maybe some other guys, you mentioned your team pastor, um, who were able to kind of encourage you on the journey? Because it's hard to do this thing alone, especially in an NFL yeah. locker room where it's so hard. Everybody's kind of different, coming from different areas. But you can't be a Christian by yourself. I don't believe that. So who, yeah, who was sure. helping you? Who was walking with you? So I think most, well, I would say, first of all, we had a, a solid group of guys, man. Like, especially at that time on the Bears, there was a, a lot of guys that I think were really struggling with the same things and trying to walk the same walk you know so yeah i think of guys like like anthony adams these are like um alex brown was a guy that we saw all the time um Ford and forte obviously who you matt you know, yeah boy matt matthew um kellen davis there was like there'd be 10 guys you could probably list of guys that were there all the time josh uh, mccown was, mm -hmm. a, was a huge presence there for sure um and I think most closely, though, like 
friend and like career wise, we're on the same level as Tim Shaw. Yeah. Um, you know, he ended up, we had him in our wedding that we did the big service. Um, and he was just a, he was a brother, man. He was, you know, he, he was longer in his faith than I was, but he was so open about the things that God had like grown him through and the things that, you know, where he was still trying to pursue new things and where he was living out the things that he felt like God put in him. And so it was awesome to be around him because um, he was just, uh, everybody loved him. He worked hard. He was a, a high caliber player. Yeah. Um, but he was just as high caliber, like in pursuit of the things of God. That's you know? Tim so who went that. to Tennessee. He, he And then ended up with ALS. Same guy. Yeah, correct? yeah. exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I've got and, a chance and, to and, meet uh, with him. He's amazing. He was amazing. It is amazing. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And I would say still to this day, you know, you could still see that through line, even after all the outward things that have happened to him. Yep. You know, when you talk to him now, he's more convinced than ever of the goodness of God, the purpose that he has for his life um, from a wheelchair. Yeah, you know, that's amazing. Yeah. If if if, uh, if people want to read about Tim Shaw's story, it's on it's on the web. Google him. And, you know, he's mm. got a couple sermons that he gave before he wasn't able to speak much anymore. And it's pretty mm. powerful. His story. Yeah. Um, and he's made an impact on a lot of people, obviously you as well, Nick. Um, I think from a football perspective, just pivoting a little bit, because as people hear this, we're getting ready for the playoffs and, um, you were on a team in 2010 that made it all the way to the NFC championship game, hosting an NFC championship game. Can you just describe for those of us like myself, who've never played just playoff football, playing in front of those fans and, uh, what that experience was like that season for you? Yeah the um, it's one of those things man i feel like momentum is a word that comes to mind where just you start stacking wins up and you start you know stacking wins up you start coming through guys making plays in big moments and winning some close games and you know you get into a point where it's like late in the season and you like you start to see the real possibility in everybody's eyes of like yo if we just do this a couple more times we're going to be in the Super Bowl mm. or in, in even more than that. We could win the Super Bowl if we keep doing this. Yeah. You know, like it, the injuries are in the right place. You know, you got key players are still available or still able to go. Um, and specifically against the playoffs, I think that year we too, we had a first round bye, right? So okay. we played Seattle, I think, at home the second week of the playoffs, which was our first game. Had an amazing game. Defense was flying around. I was actually, I was on special teams at the time. Yeah. Um, and then that next week when the Packers came in, it was like, bro, it's one of those situations where you can never get tired. You know, like no matter what the weather is, the field conditions, how many plays or drives, like you're just running fully off of the energy of we will go to the Super Bowl. You know, yeah. we, we have a legit chance to go and as far as you can go. Uh, so it's a, it's a special feeling. I don't think I'll forget that type of competitive energy versus just another, you know, normal game. Now this is before you had had this experience at the conference and and really gave your life to Jesus in the, in the way that you just described, but how, how were you at that time as a player handling wins and losses? Cause you won the week before against Seattle, mm-hmm. you're hosting the NFC championship game. And then obviously you fall short against green Bay. How are you then you know, those losses for many athletes define them. They let those mm-hmm. things stick with them. And how was that for you? Was that something that you were 
always able to kind of handle and put it in its proper place or was that not the case for you? Yeah, I think definitely the latter, you know, not being attached to football emotionally as much as other guys. It was it wasn't just, you know, like, oh, shoot, we lost. I was definitely disappointed. And, of course, you know, because you you work hard. It's a lot of sacrifice that goes into preparing for that and trying to make it happen, being there for your teammate, even though I didn't, you know, maybe like intrinsically die for that. Like some other guys would inside. I wanted it for them because they were my teammates, you know, and so like, um, but it definitely was not, de- it didn't devastate me personally, you know. Um, I do remember that my wife and I went out, she used to work at a sushi place near where we lived, and we went out that night at the Super Bowl just to hang out, and they had this, the Super Bowl on, on mm-hmm. the screen in the in the sushi bar, and I was like, yeah, can we sit somewhere else? No, <laughs> you didn't want to watch it. Watch it, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I couldn't watch it yet, it was too fresh. Yeah, and Green Bay wins it, your rival. It's like, I'd rather mm. not watch them celebrate. Let's just have some sushi somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, so I remember that. But generally, the wins and losses for me were not as – they didn't shake me up too much. After you went through Chicago six seasons, you got to the Raiders, played a couple years there, um, and then it was done. Football's over, and you're – I don't think you're even 30 years old yet at that point. What was the transition like for you? I'm guessing it might have been easier just because of everything that I've heard. But for a lot of guys, their identity is so wrapped up in football that when they're done playing a sport that they've played since they were, you know, seven, eight, nine years old in some cases, they don't know where to turn next or where to go. They have to kind of reestablish themselves and get to know um, themselves, get to know their wives, their spouses, get to know the Lord in a different way. What was transition like for you out of the game? So I think it was definitely, it was easier in some respects, for sure, like from the identity standpoint, but I think it was just as hard in the like, all right, how do I figure out what to do in my life now? Mm-hmm. Uh, because that, whether your identity was in it or not, that you still got to go through that, you know? And so by the time I got done, yeah, I was just, I was a few months shy at 30. We were expecting our second uh, child and we knew we wanted to move. We were living in the Bay at the time, but we wanted to move back to uh, Chicago because we had a house there. And so um, basically I, re- I remember like thinking, okay, we had enough to keep us busy to not really have to actively um, try to figure out the next thing. And, you know, playing eight years, I felt like if you don't buy a car every day, you know, <laughs> you'll have some time to make a decision. You Correct. Know? So yes. we had time to, to choose and I wasn't like trying to you know hop into something right away just to be busy or anything like that so we definitely had a few more kids we talked about what we wanted our futures to look like my wife actually went back to school she had always wanted to do massage therapy programs so she did that and I kind of stayed home for a little bit and um it wasn't until about oh probably three or four years later where I realized we want, we wanted to move. We decided to move back to uh, San Diego where my wife grew up. Mm. And then I remember it hit me as soon as we bought the house here and I'm looking out the backyard, just kind of out at the scenery. And I was like, this is the first decision, like big life decision that I've made like ever hmm. in my life, you know, cause you know, I was been in school the whole time and then you get swept up to college and then you go to the league and every. You know, you got a minute-to-minute itinerary of your life, basically. Yeah, those decisions are all made for you, right, Nick? Yeah, you know, and so, like, and we lived where we lived just because it was near where we had to be. 
But like once all that got, once we got the blank canvas, I think that for me was the moment I was like, oh snap. Like, how do we choose well what we do? Um, and that part was kind of a, I wouldn't call it a struggle, but definitely like a big thing in my mind, you know, cause like I, I want to be, I want to honor this now new opportunity of, all right, if you don't have to immediately jump into working and you could, you know, technically you could choose all the things that, that things, the, all the things that people generally have decided for them when they have to be in a certain situation. Now, how do you choose? Well, hmm. and those decisions became better informed from, he was a really like a big mentor of mine. Now he's just like a family friend, but Dave Gibbons, who was at the, um, at the conference too, you remember? Yeah. Or at the, uh, not the, the gathering a couple weeks ago. Yeah. But he spoke to us, man, in a way that was really powerful. Uh, actually, right before I went to open, uh, just a few months before going there, that basically taught us how to see, how to, how to start to see ourselves the way God does, you know, the things that he uniquely gave us, but then also how to, again, like practically put those into action. And so, you know, if you're a person who, for example, people are always coming to me for like life advice. I don't know. It was nothing. I didn't advertise it. I don't even talk that much. So it wasn't like I'm this outgoing person. Yeah. But friends would be calling and, you know, texting and all these big decisions. And I'm like, bro, I have no idea. what This is a huge decision. But with the thinking that, that Dave equipped us with, it's like, okay, God has clearly put something in you where people seek wisdom from you. How do you equip yourself to serve that in the people around you? is the natural progression. And so, you know, I got on a like heavy, just reading regimen, just to educate myself about like life in general wisdom. Like obviously scripture is like all underneath this as the foundation. Sure. And then, but what I did practically is I went and got an executive coaching certificate um, and did a, you know, a six month program to make sure that all right, if I'm going to be helping people think strategically about how to guide their pursuits, it'd be nice to have some professional recommendations you know or like at least some um techniques or something sure and so like that to me was something that that played out as a result of trying to transition like what what am who am i and how do i equip that and then let god use it however he wants to use it is really was and is still what we do to this day you know if i was to come over to your house would i have any inkling that you played professional football like do you have stuff <laughs> displayed do you have your jerseys out or is that nothing is there nothing no. there yeah, it would be hard to find. Um, I again, you know, never being a real football guy or sports fan. Like I didn't, ne I never watched sports growing up. You know, that was a, my family thing. I had several uncles that played at high levels of basketball, and yeah. you know, my mom and older brother diehard fans. But me having posters and all that stuff was never a thing. And so now that we have, you know, boppies and homeschool, we home we homeschool, so we got you know. Yeah, the calendars and school facts and alphabets. Yeah. You know, unless you're in the corner of my closet or on the top shelf in the garage, you have no okay. idea. Do you watch sports? Is that still something you just don't are not interested uh, you know, in? I watch you... a little. Yeah, I watch a little bit. And it really, honestly, only because my younger sister um, married a guy who got into coaching. And so now he's the he's a D coordinator for the Cardinals. OK. Uh, Nick Rollis is his name. Yeah. And so. um I only watch just to, because I'm like really close to my sister. And so I'm like, 
it feels kind of disrespectful if I don't watch her husband's job. And <laughs> it means a lot. You know? Well, that's family. It's a little different, right? Than just watching yeah. it for, for, you know, entertainment purposes. Um, mm-hmm. I, as we and you and I talked, and I remember we were at breakfast, just kind of chatting a little bit, getting to know each other. And you were talking about this love for gardening. Uh, can you share a little bit about where that came from and maybe spiritually how that kind of, if it, if at all helps you stay connected to God? Absolutely, man. And that was actually totally off. Like I had totally unpredictable. Um, when we first moved to San Diego, so it's been, we've been here five years now. I couldn't imagine like my wife, she was all into the garden club and like getting seeds from the I could not imagine why a sane person would spend <laughs> more than three minutes thinking about where to get a tomato, you know, like, you sure? why are you spending all this time and yeah. energy? Um, but it was like years of her just being so interested in it. And she started telling me about like all the different things that we can grow in San Diego. And at this time, I'm not thinking anything about literally like anything about climate. I'm just like, I know it doesn't snow here and I'm done with snow. Yeah. You know, but um, I remember one day after probably three years of her inundating me with fun facts about food gardening. Yeah. She like I see her slide open our big van door because now we have seven kids. And she just got back from Costco and our 12 seat van door is open. And like, we had so much fruit, bro. Like it looked like we were about to start a food stand, like a go set up at the farmer's market. Yeah. And I'm like, this is going to last approximately seven days. And, but then I started going through it and I'm like, wait, she said we can grow that. She said, those grow here. She said, we can grow those. And it was like, there was nothing that she bought that we couldn't grow. Hmm. And I was like, what are we doing right now? And so it became, to me, a very practical obsession. Um, and then just through that, I ended up, sorry about that. <laughs> yeah. Um, it became this idea of like, yo, yeah, it just made perfect sense. If we can grow it, why do we buy it? So got on the heavy, you know, searches and blogs. And I ended up finding a guy who's in his blog. I really trusted Reddit for a year or two and saw him mention being a master gardener, what's called the master gardener program. Um, Many, many states have them. Most states have them. Yeah. But here in California, it's it's a, it's a volunteer program. You know, you swear to a certain amount of volunteer hours a year. But the awesome thing is for you, you're one, helping the community, like your immediate community grow things that are important to them, whether it's food or, you know, ethnically traditional food from wherever country they came from or, um, you know, they're small farmers and they have they have a farm stand at apply to the farmer's market, just ain't, you're helping the community grow stuff. But then also the training we get is the same training that the commercial growers get. Um, and in California, uh, this is something I learned during the training, 65% of the nation's produce is grown in our central Valley in California. Wow. And so that's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and so just even if, you know, that was only 65% of the things that we ate, if you could learn how to grow that to a professional level understanding, you could feed yourself because I, I remember what it was like growing up in the hood and we had a Taco Bell KFC and three liquor stores, but we had to drive 10 or 15 minutes to an actual grocery store, mm-hmm. you know? And so this is San Diego is no different. You know, there are areas all around the city and all around the County where people are struggling to find fresh food, but, and there's no reason for it in Southern California because there's no thing, there's no thing in the grocery store you can name that we can't grow here. Wow. Master gardener. And so you're a master gardener now, Nick. So I'm officially a UC 
to you, Master Garner, but the, to your question, though, the awesome thing is it was so unexpected to get into it, but then immediately having God speak to me about all the the agricultural references in the Bible. Right. Uh, you know, like yeah. so many things are taught to us about references to, to workers in the fields and to farmers and trees and fruit. And I'm, I'm actually finishing the book right now um, called Reforesting the Faith. And okay. it's this guy. He is, he's actually up in the Northeast by you. Yeah. He uh, teaches all over the world about the significance of, of tree references at key times in Scripture and all throughout the arc of the story of our salvation and how, mm. you know, from the very first chapter, there's a tree to the last chapter to Jesus dying on a tree to, you know, Abraham being under a tree when the angels walked up to him and just like um, nature is is. 100% a communication tool for God to us. And it's in a matter of significance. That's cool. And so yeah. being in nature and learning grafting and then hearing the verse about we are grafted in, it's like, whoa. Like, right. It helps it, scripture come alive, totally, right? Oh, man, totally different way. Yeah. So. It's funny. It's I just think about even the, the, the basic concept of sowing good seed and sowing you know bad seed or sowing the seed on mm. good soil and sowing the seed on bad soil. Like even just that... And I've never been a gardener in my life, but I would imagine that alone in your very basic level is scripture coming alive and understanding yeah. what what Jesus is really trying to say in so many of those parables. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, you know, I remember the soils class that we took in our training, and this is like all soil science above my head, like so much chemistry. I got a D in chemistry in college, you know, like <laughs> this is not my thing, but yeah, just understanding that they, they call underneath the surface of the soil, the soil food web, not even the food chain, because they're like, there's so many interconnected links between microorganisms and the things you can see without a microscope and hmm. what the plant needs from them. And they're, they're like, when you read a book about what's just happening in a teaspoon of dirt, you're like, this might as well be a book about the, the vastness of the universe. Yeah. Cause it's like, there are so many things happening that are outside of our vision, but that are vital to the life of the, not just this plant, but what we want from the plant, you know? And so like all the parallels about under the surface, what's happening and the, the unseen things that are actually running the stuff that we see um, and how to tend to those things and cultivate an environment. You don't control it. You yeah. know, like I don't, I want a tree to grow, but I cannot grab the branch and stretch it. You know, like I have to give it an environment that it needs to have a chance to thrive. And so, it's really humbling, but I think it's just very honest. You know, like this is how the world, it has its own pace. Mm -hmm. You know, like we go at the pace of the tree doesn't bear fruit on the 17th of June because I'm hungry then. Like it, it does what it does when it's time. Like, is that not what God teaches us? Like things happen when they should. Um, so I don't know. It's just, it's so many, man. That could be a whole nother well, and podcast. Looking at, sure. looking at your journey, Nick, it's kind of what happened to you. Things happened when they were meant to happen and things that you, in many ways you weren't even pursuing. And it's given you, you know, obviously a great life to live, but a, a deeper, uh, I, I guess a deeper level to be able to see God's plan and God's hand on your life. Um, when you look back and see the journey that he took you on, which is pretty cool. So Nick, uh, appreciate your time, man. Appreciate you coming on the show. My last question real quick for you 
what's the great lesson God's teaching you right now? What's, what's the thing, if you could point to one thing, mm. whether it's in scripture, your time with him in prayer, whatever it might mm. be that he's teaching you right now. That's good. Um, right this minute. I think it's hard not to say perspective for me because I just, I always come back to the fact that the more we see things the way God does or the closer we can see things in situations and people the way that God does, the less stressed out we are and the less like frantic and worried, the less angry or the less in a hurry, you know, we, we become more like him, not only by acting like him and trying to like, you know, be like Jesus in our interactions, but seeing like him, mm -hmm. you know, it's like when you can sit back and I, in my mind, it's like zoom out and like slow down our, our reflexes to like our human reflexes to situations and people, we actually have a chance to like one, be at peace ourselves, but also be the best thing that that situation is actually actually be what God wants to happen in that situation. Yeah. Um, and that just to me is like, it's all around, you know, because I can feel we have some like family thing, just like, you know, I'm sure you have no family issues, you know, but okay, our family <laughs> no, my, our family's just perfect. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. you know, I think of the things that we have going on at the moment and it's like, you know, I can feel the reflex I want to have, but I know that God's working in me because this, when I look at it this way, or like I let my mind see it or my heart see it from this side, it becomes way more clear what to do as opposed to just a lash out, you know, or like a, I'm done, you know, you get much more creative and loving and actually like a healthy, that your reactions have more possibility for reconciliation. You know? mm. Yeah. Uh, so anyway. I would say it's perspective. No, that's that's really well said. Uh, he is Nick Roach. Uh, thank you for being here on the show, Nick. Always good to have you on, and I'm glad we able to, were able to connect a couple weeks ago at the gathering, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to connect uh, a few more times in the future. But thanks for joining us. This was great. Really appreciate your time. Hey, appreciate it, brother. Thanks, man. And many thanks to Nick Roach for joining us here on Sports Spectrum. He's a fascinating guy, isn't he? It was wonderful to connect with him in person at this gathering a few months back in San Diego, or I guess north of San Diego in California. And when I met him, I knew I wanted to have him on this show because I knew his story was very unique and a little bit different than many of the athletes because he wasn't trying to become this big-time pro football player or even college football player, and he ended up at Northwestern. He was an all Big Ten academic. He was team co-MVP his senior year. He signs uh, with the Chargers as an undrafted player, gets cut, signed by the Bears, ends up playing six seasons with the Bears, including the NFC Championship game run back in 2010, finishes career with the Raiders, and now transitioning after football, pursuing Jesus, doing the Master Gardener program thing. I mean, that's just cool. Love hearing the perspective from Nick Roach and appreciate him joining us here today on Sports Spectrum. We thank you for tuning in to today's show. Want to remind you, you can subscribe to our Sports Spectrum magazine. It's a quarterly magazine. You can go to sportspectrum.com and you can get the Sports Spectrum magazine directly to your house, to your mailbox each and every quarter. Right now, we're in the middle of our winter edition that you can get with Dude Perfect on the cover. 
of that magazine. It's perfect for the kids. If you would like to subscribe to the Sports Spectrum magazine for a one-year subscription, we want to give you 15% off. It's already affordable and super cheap, but we want to give you an additional 15% off when you subscribe. You go to the website, sportspectrum.com, and when you check out, use the code PODCAST15, 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 and say 15% off a one-year subscription to the Sports Spectrum magazine. Again, available at sportspectrum.com. Thanks for tuning in. We love you guys. I hope you have a great rest of your day, and we'll see you next time for a brand new episode here on the Sports Spectrum Podcast.